Psalm chapter 4 this morning, please. Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. <laughs> Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and blessings. And I thank you for your word that's gone forth already this morning. In the Sunday school hour for both children and adults. Father, we thank you that. You have given us clear direction in so many things, and we are to obey it. And I pray that you would help us ever to walk in your will and according to your word. Please fill me with your spirit this morning, God, relaying this message from your word. I pray that you would fill Lisa with your spirit, relaying the message in sign. Be with Sister Stephanie in the nursery, fill her with your spirit, watching the children. I thank you for each one here, dear God. And I, each one also that's here with us online. And Lord, please uh, speak to every heart by your spirit, by your word. And I pray that you would uh, help us to worship you in spirit and truth this morning, that you may be pleased. We pray always that as your word goes forth from this place, dear God, that souls would be saved. And that the saints would draw closer to you. And that you would be glorified. Christ will be lifted up. So, Father, we look to you once again for that to uh, work, work in our hearts, dear God, and, uh, and help us to give you the praise and glory, dear Lord, for all that you do. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Entitled the message this morning. <clears throat> deliverance from distress. Deliverance from distress. <clears throat> David, of course, is known as the sweet psalmist of Israel and we can be thankful for the many psalms that he's he's written and the Holy Spirit has used him to uh, pen many psalms and uh, 
he's also known as a man after God's own heart. And so uh, the Holy Spirit inspired him to, I think, write some things that he'd been taught through life <laughs> and, and through certain things that had come upon him and even, even making them into songs uh, to be sung in, in, in worship and praise um, of God. Multiple songs, uh, the Psalms, uh, apply to specific events, and those are named and such in the heading of the of the psalm of that particular psalm. Uh, this one has no heading; it's more of a general psalm, and I think there are some psalms that are like that as well. David walked with God. He went through many things, and at some point the Holy Spirit inspired him to write some general truths that he'd learned. Uh, and I think Psalm 4 uh, kind of uh, uh, fits that category. We're not told about any event partic in particular in David's life that, 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 that it would apply to. It could apply to uh, many The Psalms aren't written, uh, the Psalms of David aren't in any chronological order in the Bible. Uh, so uh, we don't see that, we see the previous Psalm, the heading there, and most believe these to be correct, accurate. Uh, he, the Psalm 3 he wrote when he fled from Absalom. But there are multiple Psalms later written by David that preceded that. Where Psalm 51 comes to mind, you know, his, his confession of sin, of his great sin there with Bathsheba and Uriah and such, and, uh, later than that. So there's no chronological order. So we take it as a psalm that we can apply to uh, the, our situation, as all of the Word of God does in, in some way. Uh, there are things to learn and for us, for us to grow in, 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 in the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Well, looking at this psalm and considering David's deliverance from distress, uh, we'll learn some things. And we see that, first of all, in his distress, David calls to God. He calls uh, uh, out to God. And uh, we need, uh, certainly, to be calling on God. We, as believers, ought to be, uh, that ought to be characteristic in our life. We pray. And uh, we throw up even those quick prayers, you know, uh, we get called on to do something or, uh, uh, you know, like Nehemiah, when the king said, uh, okay, you're going to go rebuild the wall. When are you going to do it? And Nehemiah had to, he had to pray like that, throw up that prayer and, and give an answer. And so we do that. Uh, we need to be known as, as, as those who would call uh, upon, upon God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, Paul writes, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. <laughs> so, we got saved by calling upon the name of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, for salvation. And by the way, in our sanctification, we continually call upon the name of the Lord, which is the, the idea of that in 1 Corinthians 1-2 there. We continually call upon him. That's what Christians do, is we pray and we seek God. And if we're not careful, like Brother Chris was saying, I, I could identify with that. You know, sometimes we don't pray as often as we should. Why? Because prayers, you know, we, we feel like, we're, we're doing, we're spiritual if we're doing something. You know, prayer, well, you, well you're stopping work then, you know. Uh, so if I'm going to leave something out, it'll be prayer. No, we need the prayer the, the most probably, amen. We need the prayer uh, before we do something and in order to do something for the glory of God. And we see David opening up this uh, psalm in prayer with, with, with this prayer here in his distress. And we'll look at some characteristics of his, uh, of his prayer that ought to be a part of our, our prayer as we seek to grow in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, we see that his prayer was with passion. His prayer was with passion. Uh, we look at some of these uh, words here in, in, in Psalm 4. And uh, 
he says, uh, hear me uh, when I call. Uh, he, he goes on, he, he says, have mercy upon me, the end of verse 1 there. He says, uh, hear my prayer. And by, uh, by the way, all these are, 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 are imperative verbs. Uh, David is, in a sense, telling God to do this. <laughs> Now, some of you think might might think, oh, we're telling God to do something. You do it all the time. You know, you ever throw up one of those prayers? Help me, God. You know what you just did? You just told God to help you. Amen. <laughs> and uh, that's not something that that uh, that God is. Uh, it's actually something that God wants us to do. He wants us at times to tell Him uh, to do something for us. <laughs> he wants that sometimes, and. Uh, and it will be a part of, of, of passionate prayers at times. In, uh, in Isaiah 45.11. And the context here is, God has revealed uh, uh, the, by name uh, the world leader Cyrus, whom he is going to use to uh, allow the Jews to go back uh, to Jerusalem and, re and begin rebuilding and such. Okay, That's the context of Isaiah. Uh, 45 there. Then he says, uh, we read in verse 11, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and its maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. And concerning the work of my hands, here it is, command ye me. Did you get that? Oh, by the way, I've just revealed to you uh, the name of the person uh, that is going to allow you to be released and go back to, uh, to Jerusalem. Start telling me what to do. Start telling me what you want to see happen. Now that I've revealed this, is what, he, is what he's saying there. It's, it's imperative there as well. Uh, one commentator writes, instead of, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of striving with me in regards to my purposes, your wisdom is in prayer to ask and even command me in so far as it is for my glory and for your good. And that's key. You certainly want, don't, want, don't want to be, even think we can begin commanding things that are not in the will of God. And yet when, when they are, and when we are serious about having it done to me, or through me, and we're cert certain it's the will of God, God expects us to be wanting that to happen. God, teach me your word. That's a command. Uh, uh, God, give me the boldness to witness. That's a command. When we say that. And by the way, God doesn't mind that. Amen. Because he what? He commanded that in our lives. That's just showing that our desires are becoming in the right places. In the right place. And we are becoming serious about wanting to grow. We see that. We see it all the time. You'll see it more in David. Uh, Psalm 139 and 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Commands. Uh, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All commands. And by the way, aren't they all commands that God wants to do? <laughs> Absolutely. So God, uh, I think, at times expects us <laughs> to pray in that manner. And even uh, in, that, in that sense, commanding him. In uh, Daniel chapter 9, uh, Daniel gives God a list of commands. Uh, we'll, and we'll talk about this verse a little bit, a little bit uh, later here. Well, let me, let, me, uh, let me go there now and I'll... Well, I'll read this and we'll, we'll, we'll consider James 5.16 first. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God wants us to be earnest, passionate in our prayers. And we find Daniel is passionate in his prayer and in his request to God in Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel chapter 9, <clears throat> and verse uh, seven, beginning in 17 there, verse 17. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of thy servant, 
and his supplication. Cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate. Incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations. Verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. All those are commands in Daniel's prayer towards God. But what has happened in his, in his prayer, in his prayer uh, towards God? Well, we'll see that uh, in, in, uh, in, a, in, a moment, in a moment here. But, but uh, first of all, uh, passion, passion in our prayers. Daniel certainly was, was, was showing that, as well David, as well we do at times. And then what else must be there? Must be purity. What does David say, uh, pray here in verse uh, 1? Uh, he says, Hear me when I call, O God, what? Of my righteousness. O God of my righteousness. Everything that David is looking for, and in a sense, demanding of God, in an earnestly, in an earnest pleading type manner, is according to the righteousness that God has put upon him and what God is doing in his heart and in his life. See, it is God who has imputed what? Righteousness to David. You say, wait a minute, preacher. That, that, didn't, that didn't start till the New Testament. Oh, no, that started back, back long before that. Matter of fact, Noah brought it over on, on the ark, didn't he? No, well, he became heir of the faith of the justification by faith. He was justified because he believed God. Abraham was justified because he believed God. David was justified because he believed God. You see that? That righteousness. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, every change in David's life that was brought forth by God's Spirit, what? Was righteousness, was done by God. Amen. He's the God of David's righteousness as he is the God of, of yours and mine. And, uh, and he wants things according to God's will. In Jeremiah 23, 6, Jeremiah's prophesying the day the Messiah would come and uh, the millennium and such. And in Jeremiah 23, 6, in his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. This is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. Uh, praise God for that. Lord our righteousness. And you know there are many out there. That will miss heaven. Because they're going about to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to do enough good. Or they think. Compared to most of the world, they're they're on the upper third or so of what might be considered good people. So, you know, somehow I'll get in. That's not how it works. God won't accept any of your righteous works or mine because that's called what self righteousness. And God is a perfect and holy God. And there's only one man who ever lived a perfect and holy life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he did that because he was God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1. And the, and, and the Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. He was God become flesh. That's why he alone could die for our sins and rise again and offer his righteousness for us and the whole world that we might be saved through his righteousness. You say, well, I, if all I got is my righteousness and that's self-righteousness, how do I get his righteousness? By faith only. You got to throw out, yours isn't any good, neither is mine. You say, well, how bad is it? Well, the Bible says it's like filthy rags in Isaiah. All our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags to God. He won't accept it for salvation. We have to trust in Jesus Christ. And there is a penalty for sin. 
Wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, Revelation chapter 20. So, if sins are never forgiven, if you never come to Jesus Christ to trust Him for forgiveness of sins and count you righteous because of what He did, if you never do that, you'll die once and then you'll die twice in the place the Bible calls hell. And there you're always conscious. It's not an annihilation there. What a sad thing. See, before you get saved, I think about this. Uh, if you ever work with someone, my wife and I are in the process of doing that soon, likely. But if you ever work with someone that they're a very good person, they're sometimes the hardest to lead to Christ because they're kind of counting on that. But you can't get into heaven until you declare spiritual bankruptcy. You have to file chapter 13, okay, spiritually, before you can get to heaven. That's hard for somebody that, that considers himself good to do. Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, they shall see. You've got to be bankrupt, a beggar. You've got to realize you have, you have no righteousness to offer God for your salvation either to may either to either to attain it or to maintain it okay either one and that's where salvation is 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 grasped when you say i got nothing god but i want what jesus did for me i'll put my faith and trust in him i'll turn in my heart from my sin and from my pride and I'll, as best I know how, I'll, try, I'll ask Jesus to save me and forgive me and believe he is the sinless son of God, that he died and for my sins and rose again just for that purpose. And then you pray and you do that in your own words. One man prayed this, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That was his own words. That was his own heart. One, one recognizes his sin, recognizes his helplessness. And you know what? The Bible says he went down to his house justified. God knows what he's revealed and God knows what he expects us to believe uh, he's now revealed that he sent Christ his son to die for us and rise again we must believe that and trust in that and trust by the way only in that don't try to add your baptism well I go to church too forget that well I, I, I've been a good neighbor doesn't matter because one sin that you have messes it all up how about I take a nice pure glass of water and, and just put one little drop of arsenic in it? Would you take a drink? No. No, you wouldn't. Then don't try to offer God all your good works when you've got drops and squirts and splatters of sin in there, okay? Don't try to do that. When he has offered his perfectly 100% pure son, that's the only thing he'll accept. Ever, you see. And so we need to do that. Purity. Purity. And these prayers that command God are believers that are growing and want to be pure in God's sight. We read, we read just read all those commands that Daniel had given God. We have to understand that earlier in that chapter, he says in Daniel 9 2, in the first year of his reign, he says, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel has read the word of God, the book of Jeremiah. He's probably within a decade of the time that he just read about. God said, I'm, they're going to be in the captivity 70 years. It's coming to an end. Daniel's an old man at that, at that point. And he realizes, it's coming. And what does he do? He starts praying, and, and in a sense, yes, commanding. We may, we may not have thought of that way before, but praying and commanding God to do what God said he would do. Amen. Then he didn't, well, I'll just wait around, you know, the best I can figure it out. You know, I, I he, he didn't know exactly, you know, he wasn't maybe 
clear, sure about, about uh, how long accomplishing those desolations. Well, did he take it from the first deportation? Did he take it from the second deportation, the third deportation? Maybe he wasn't sure in the beginning date of that. You see what I'm saying? But you know what? He knew it was close. He knew it was close. And he began praying for it to happen. Amen? And, that, and we see that. And David's praying the same thing. He says, he says, the Lord, the God of my righteousness. He's praying boldly for things that he knows God wants him to have. And that he needs to glorify God. And so he's praying boldly in that manner. Uh, he's the God of our righteousness. For uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30 uh, tells us, But of him, God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Why? Because as far as you being in heaven, God did it all through Jesus. He gets all the glory. You receive him and all he did, trusting that nothing else, and you get it all in Jesus Christ. You try to add anything to that for your salvation or reject that, you get nothing but what you deserve for your sin. The first death and the second death. The Bible is clear on that. And, but God doesn't want, any, God does not want any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody in hell. Uh, he died for our, our sins, believers, and not for our sins, but, but only, but also for the sins of the whole world, for everyone can be saved. There was uh, there was passion in his prayer, there was purity in his prayer. What else was there? There was praise. Praise in his prayer. He says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. There in verse 1. Now, what's he talking about? Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Now, there's been times when something didn't go wrong and something didn't go right. Something did go wrong. Maybe I'm doing a project or something and at the house and I get a little upset. And so I go and have me some comfort food, you know. I have a donut or two and, and uh, dip into some things, you know. And, and, uh, and I have enlarged myself. But this is not what God's talking about here, okay? Uh, what, what has happened there is I have enlarged myself in my distress, okay? Uh, that's not a good thing, all right? God has something different in mind here, okay? What's he talking about? Uh, thou hast enlarged me. Uh, he says there, <coughs> uh, in, uh, when I was in distress, uh, that, uh, that word enlarge has the idea, yes, to be widened, to be enlarged, to grow wide. Uh, to make room, and we see we see the uh, 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 the uh, uh, the definition. He says, "I was enlarged me uh, when I was in distress." In in in, in, chapter, in uh, verse one, there he says, uh, uh, "Have mercy upon me and hear my cry." So, just, uh, so enlarged is 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 being opened up. It's it's being. Uh, I, I, uh, God making a way for us. That that word distressed, he says, "Thou hast enlarged me when I was distressed." Uh, ha has the idea, and, and it means uh, narrow, tight, distress, uh, uh, being oppressed, and such. So distress has that idea of narrowness, and enlarged has that idea of wideness. You ever hear somebody say, "Well, I found myself between a rock and a hard place." You know what you're saying? You were distressed. You were in a narrow place. And then what? Something opened up for you. And God answered a prayer. God gave you wisdom to do something. God delivered you from, from some sin. Uh, God gave you grace to say the right thing, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, what? It seems okay now. Now you don't seem like, like oh no, where am I going to go? What am I gonna? You, you felt that distress before, but now the distress, what, is relieved. Why? Because he will make a way. God makes a way. I'll, uh, I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about, this narrow and, and, and being enlarged. Uh, uh, distressed. Anybody ever rode Spirit Airlines? <laughs> you were distressed. 
You were in a narrow place. <laughs> Crumpled up. Hoping you'd soon get to where you were going, okay? <laughs> My wife and I did, did were built that way the last time we, we flew them. And it will probably be the last time we fly them if we can afford if we can afford the next step up, okay? But uh, but we flew them. And yes, they'll save you money, but that's it'll cost you something, okay? And so that that is uh, that is being distressed, being seated on Spirit Airlines. What's being enlarged? Deboarding Spirit Airlines, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, and you get a that that is being enlarged, all right? And uh, we need we need God to deliver us in our distress, Amen. amen. And sometimes it's, it's a meant that meant sometimes a, not a certain not a single thing around us changes, but what our heart does, doesn't it? And our mind does, and we think. Ah, there's God. That's what this is for. That's a, that's a direction I needed. Finally, in his time, we see it. Or maybe we don't see the whole purpose of it, but it gives us strength to go through it. That's that widening, that enlarging. Uh, uh, praise. And, and, and David remembers sometimes. He says, he says uh, in, in, uh, in, a verse, uh, in, chapter, in verse 1 there, he says, uh, uh, "Thou some Lord, me when I was in distress. I remember. I'm looking back to the. He's being encouraged. He's distressed now. He's seeking God, and he remembers. In the past, you've done it, God. I'm looking for you to do it again. I'm looking for you to do it whatever way you will. But I need you. I need you, and I want to do your will through this. So deliver me. Hear me, O God." And you know what? God, God delivers him. God helps him. God helps him through that. Uh, and uh, we have uh, that great promise, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay. <clears throat> God makes a way. That's the way that he makes for, for us. By the way, to escape a temptation without sinning is what he's talking about. He may not lift the load, but if he doesn't, he'll give you the strength to carry it. He'll give you the strength to carry it. What else do we see in this psalm? Secondly, we see that David contends with the ungodly. Verse 2, O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Leasing is deceit or lying, uh, van vanity. He says, verse 3, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. So, a portion of this distress is that they are turning David's glory into shame. There may be some false... Uh, and again, we don't know which particular part of David's life this applies to. Could be some people are lying about him. They did that when he was running from Saul. There were people saying, you know, David's after you, Saul. <laughs> Boy, you, you turn around, don't, don't you be... You look over your shoulder because David will get you if you don't watch. There were people that was telling Saul that. David proved that was wrong twice, didn't he? Twice he could have killed Saul and didn't. He reminded David of that. Yet Saul, uh, you know, uh, uh, sought him and such. Could be he's referring to God. Could be he's reigning and he's trying to put forth godly principles. And he, he says, uh, he says, how long will you, you know, how long will you, uh, uh, sons of men, how, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you not glorify God and obey him? God being his glory. That very well could be it as well. How, what are you saying? How long will you not listen to godly advice? How long will you choose to go the wrong direction? You know, our hearts yearn about that, don't we? We meet family, we have friend, family and friends, we meet neighbors and such perhaps, and, and uh, we get to know them a little bit, and we, get, we were burdened for them, wanted to be saved, but, but some of them don't listen. And what do we say in our hearts? 
the more the time goes by, the more prayers that we spend upon them, what, 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 what's that yearning that begins to come in our hearts? How long? How long are they going to resist? How long is it going to be? How long are you going to continue this? Part of his distress. He wanted to see them yield to this and not, and not bring that shame to his glory in that sense. By the way, we see that same yearning by the, in the Apostle Paul, don't we? They come into Lystra, him and his missionary team, they healed a lame man. And they began, the priests of the city, they gathered some animals. We're going to sacrifice to these guys because they must be gods. And what did Paul say in, uh, in, in Acts 14, uh, 15? Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God. How long are you going to hang on to this kind of stuff? See? We have that same spirit when we're trying to minister. Paul came into Athens after that. Saw all those false idols and such they made. What did he say to them? He stood in the midst of Morris Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. I can't believe this. How long are you to go on with this vanity? I'll tell you who the unknown God is because you don't know him. You have, a, you, have a, you have an altar you built to him, but you don't know him. <laughs> How long will you go on? I wonder as I uh, gave the gospel there and pointed out that Jesus Christ is the only way. How long will people not believe that? How long will people not believe that? Seems like it took Paul a while, but God was merciful. We saw that in the lesson, didn't we? He was merciful to Paul. By the way, he's merciful to us too and to all. Uh, for the lost to continue on unbelief means one thing, the lake of fire. You die without Jesus, you go to hell. You die with Jesus, you go to heaven. That's it. That's the truth. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's not something I made up. That's the scripture in 1 John chapter 5. If Jesus Christ lives in your heart because you invited him in, because you asked Jesus to forgive you and save you and trusted only in him, then God sends his Holy Spirit to live in your heart. That moment you do that. And by the way, not a moment before that. That moment you believe and trust in Him and only Him, He sends, God sends His Spirit to live in your heart. And because Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit lives in your heart, you go to heaven, and that's the only reason. Because the Spirit is dwelling in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, what's the Bible say? He is none of His. Those that are indwelt by the Holy Spirit are God's. Those that are not indwelt by the Holy Spirit are not God's. It's that simple. Believe it and receive it. Ask Christ into your life. And uh, what an amazing thing. One person asked him, what works may we do that we, might, we, that we might work the works of God? Jesus! How can we earn eternal life is what he was saying in the context. Jesus answered them and said, in John 6, 29, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Here's the work I want you to do. Believe on me, Jesus says, and nothing else. That's hard for people to do, by the way. Especially those who have been good compared to most. Because we hang on so tight, we want to somehow deserve heaven. You can't do it. We don't deserve heaven. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again. Nobody's ever kept. For by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Never nobody would ever be justified by keeping enough of the commandments enough of the time. The law just proves us guilty. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster, what? To lead us to Christ. 
Anybody who reads the Ten Commandments says, okay, I haven't kept them, and I, have, I haven't kept them all, and I certainly haven't kept them all the time. So the law says, so it goes through the commandments, and the law says to us, well, thank you, I'm glad you realized that. Let me take you where you need to go now. And the law leads us to Christ. Here's one who died perfectly for you. He'll put his righteousness in your account if you'll trust in him and forget about trying to earn heaven. That's how, the, that's how it works. What about being a good Christian then, preach? What, what about the good works? It all comes under this heading. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's it. Why are we here this morning? Well, if we're here in the Spirit, it's because we, it's because we love God. Amen? It's because we want to be in God's place. And why? Because we love God. Why do, we read, why do we read God's word? Because we love God. Amen. Why do we tell other people about Jesus? Because we love God. And so, somebody told us. Amen. Everything a Christian does that will be rewarded will come, will be done by the Holy Spirit in us for the love of God. Through the love of God. Everything. The Spirit produces what the law could not produce by itself. See. God will change you if you'll trust in Christ alone. Uh, secondly, <clears throat> secondly, you see, David has David has confidence in God. He has confidence in God. <clears throat> Got two Davids up there. <clears throat> David has confidence in God. Uh, we what was his his confidence? He he says there. Uh, uh, verse 3, know, know the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Uh, I, I love that. We can have confidence in God. David knew he was God's. John 10, 27 and following, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. John 10, 27, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I love that. My sheep will never perish, Jesus said. Never. Never. And thank God for that. He is kept. Kept in the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. <clears throat> and it has the idea of, of 1 John 5 there as well. Uh, when we ask in confidence in the will of God, walking with God, we know we had the petitions that we desired of Him. That's why they're praying like that. They know they're praying that God, that what God wants to do in their lives. And so they expect him to answer in that way. It's, it's a passionate prayer. It's not a, it's not a demanding uh, 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 kind of, as Brother Chris was saying, you know, uh, rebuking is kind of, kind, of, kind of a punching type attitude. It's not that kind of attitude. It's a command plea. It's, it's a command in the form of a plea. God, help me. God, you, you must help me. God, do help me. Because I need it and I can't do it without you. By the way, I believe God loves answering those kind of prayers. Because <laughs> that's where he's trying to bring us to. That we would realize our desperation without him. Amen. And our dire need for him. In all things. What else does David see? He sees he has. That he has. Uh, uh, he has he's kept in the Lord. I think I already did that one. Didn't turn it. Uh, He has counsel in the Lord. He has counsel in the Lord. Verse 4, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Well, that's good counsel. By the way, we see verse 4 there of Psalm 4 repeated in the New Testament. Uh, Stand in awe, verse in verse four there in uh, in Psalm four. That word "stand in awe" has the idea of to tremble, to move, to rage, to shake, to disquiet, troubled, quake. You say, "Well, where do we see that in the New Testament?" It's the same idea expressed 
in Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, sin's a serious thing. When you get angry, uh, get it right. You know, get that thing right. If you're, you know, if you have something against a brother or sister, get that thing right. Don't let it go. You know, to the next day. Be serious about sanctification. What he's saying there, uh, and offer. David says what? Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Get things right. Uh, Make, you can have anger, but make sure it's godly anger. If you have fleshly anger, confess that, get it right. And be serious about wanting to grow in the Lord. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. By him, Jesus Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'm talking about offering the sacrifices of righteousness. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. See, remember we saw last week, we can, we can, please, we can please God. We can't profit God. Nothing we do makes God a better God or, or less in his character. Or makes, you know, you know makes, well, God, well, I'm glad you did that for me. I sure am better off now. God never says that, okay? He's as perfect as, and, and he is self-sufficient but we can please him. And we please God when we continue to do good because we love Jesus. When we continue to reach out to others. He has this, this he gives this counsel in this psalm as well. And thirdly, or C rather in this point, he has comfort in the Lord. He says, uh, look at verse 6, there be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up thou the light of thy countenance upon us. So these are saying, there are many that say, who will do us any good? We get an idea of what kind of good they're looking for at the end of the psalm. He said, look what David says there in, uh, in, uh, in verse 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart, more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. So those who are saying, who will do us any good? They're just looking for temporal good and blessings. People that live like that, they constantly live for temporal goods and blessings, and when the blessings come, guess what? They don't, it doesn't fulfill them like they thought it would. And they go on and on in that, in that emptiness, and they can come to a place where, who's going to do us any good? You know, and what, but all we're looking for is temporal things. Who will make my grape my grapevines with more grapes on them? <laughs> Who will give me more corn? Who will do us any good? Maybe that's all they're searching for. But that's not what God's all about, see. No lasting fulfillment in those things. Uh, but what does David point him to? Uh, he says in verse uh, <clears throat> there be many that say who will show us any good Lord lift up the light of thy countenance upon us thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in, in the time that their corn and wine increased I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord only makest me to dwell in safety and is that on my last point there Turn that off because I'm messing that all up this morning here and I can't even turn it off. So. <laughs> we'll leave it up there. But listen, the last point. David says, uh, <clears throat> what's he saying to them? He says in verse 6, they say, Who will show us any good? And he says, Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Here we have the way in which God directed the priests to bless the people of Israel. You'd find that in number 623. Speak unto Aaron, unto his son, saying, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel. Now count how many material things you see in this blessing. 
The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. But that applies to us today, doesn't it? Those are the things that God's promised us. See, David brings them to that. Brings them to that. By the way, that's why he's commanding the things of God. God's already said, that, that's what God commanded. <laughs> he knows that's what, God, that, that's what God wants. And we see that. And the most, uh, one of the most encouraging things that I saw in studying this was, uh, he says, uh, you know, who will say, who will do us any good? Even though the unbelievers, what if they don't cease? You know, how long will you seek after leasing? How long will you seek after vanity? How long will you seek idols and not God? Well, guess what? Even if they never cease doing that, David found peace in God. And so, so can you and I. Even if they never stop, there'll be many that say, they're going to keep on saying it. There'll be many that continue to say that and live that way. But David's joy and fullness wasn't dependent upon what other people do. He was amazed at how long they would resist, yes. And it was distressing at times, yes. <laughs> but he went to God, found that grace again, and realized what? You know, whether they change or not, I have you, God. I have you, God. What's he say? Verse 7, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. All their joy, all their joy is what? They're seeking to be blessed in this life. Oh, better job, better, you know, better car, uh, my, my fruit, fruitful garden, blah, blah, blah. Bless me, God, bless me. That's all they're seeking. <laughs> That's all they're seeking. Thou hast put gladness in my heart, but David says what? What you've done in my heart, material things can't do. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. By the way, the gladness and joy in my heart is more than whatever temporal and you know, uh, uh, and uh, uh, feigned joy they receive from material things. It's more than that. More than that. He says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. You hear that? For the Lord only maketh me to dwell in safety. The Lord only maketh me to dwell in safety. <clears throat> I was looking at that word only there. And the main idea is not this. I, I, I first thought it was this. The Lord is the only one that can make me dwell in safety. That's true. That's true. But I don't think that's the main idea of what he's saying here. That word only there or translated, uh, translated only is that, is that Hebrew word badad, if I'm pronouncing that right and it's translated in this way throughout the scriptures alone solitary only here desolate isolation withdrawal separation see David was distressed and he said, Thou only causes me to dwell in safety. Now listen to what that word safely means. So we got only, have isolation, desolate, solitary, alone, withdrawal. Now listen to safety. We'll put the two together. Safety. Translated safety uh, multiple times. Translated carelessly or careless. Translated securely. Translated assurance. Boldly. Confidence. What David, I think, is saying mainly is this. All this is going around, the distress was there. He can't understand why they continue in their unbelief and wish they wouldn't. But yet, even though they do, David says what? He says, I'm going to lay me down in peace. David got, be still and know that I am God. He was meditating upon who he was in God by the way, in his own bed, this is called an evening psalm. He's meditating. He is getting alone with his God. 
He is getting into a desolate place with his God. It's just him and God. He is, he is set apart with God in his meditation. And he said, and God, this is where I get it all. If nobody else around me changes, if I will come apart with you only by yourself, don't need the circumstances to change, not when I'm out busy there in the Word, if I will get alone with you, thou only causes me to dwell in safety. I will realize that you're my all in all. And then you'll put your, lift your countenance upon me and lift me up. And it doesn't matter whether they ever change or not. Because I will get all I need from you when I make that time to be alone with you. When, I'm, when I am looking, yes, he's the only one who can bring it. But when I am looking only to you for it. In that time, you see what I'm saying? And he would find, find that peace. He'd find that peace. My, my communion with you alone gives me gladness, peace, safety, hope, confidence, assurance. All those ideas are, are, are tied up in that word safety there. And, God, and David says, I get that from you. What, we, what did uh, Paul say about Christianity? Where, where Christ is all what? And in all. He's all and in all. Interesting uh, how these truths are found throughout the Bible many times, Old Testament or new. We find this dwelling in God. We find that strength uh, that we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and Father, so many times I, I feel like I, I fail to convey what you spoke to me as studied your word, and probably we all feel like that sometimes when we share the word with others. And we look to your spirit, dear God, to, to, to work on our hearts first, and then to help others, Lord, as only you can. And Lord, I thank you for these psalms that you inspired David to write and by your Holy Spirit but you did not do it apart from those things that he experienced in his life and from the things that he learned you put all that together and brought forth these psalms that we too might find encouragement and God I pray you'd help us to remember that we belong to you if we're born again and you will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, God, we need not fear uh, what man can do unto us. We need not fear the temporal evils of the world around us. And God, uh, we, think of, we think of David, that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And we know that if evils are allowed in our lives, it's just your rod and your staff reaching out to us. If you allow some, something we might consider ill or evil, some, some trial, it's for our good. And we can only say that because we know you. And we're, we thank you and praise you for that. So we don't fear those things as the world does. And I thank you for that. God, I pray if there's one here unsaved under the sound of this message, that today would be the day in their heart that they trust only you. Only what Jesus Christ has done for them, died for, died for them, rose again to be their Savior. Father, believing those things that have been shared from your word, and it's that simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I can't earn heaven in any way shape or form but I believe that you're the son of God and you died for me and rose again and I'm sorry for my sins God please forgive me I want to receive what Jesus did for me 
I want to trust in that alone as best I know how I trust in what Jesus Christ did for me alone. That he's a sinless son of God. He died and rose again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I claim that promise, God, with all the faith that I have in me. And I ask you to forgive me and save me. Father, we know your, who know your word know that the moment someone prays something like that in their own words to you from their heart, that moment they'll be saved and born again. Father, you said, Whosoever believeth in me shall not be ashamed. Father, if one should pray that today, here or online, I pray that they would let others know, let the church know. Uh, Father, let uh, your people know uh, that they have trusted you. And Father, we look to you for that, uh, to bring that forth as well. And so, Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.